Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, fellow WNYXkins. I'm Tom, and I will be today's host. I'm here with Thaddeus. Howdy. And Lauren. Hi. I didn't come up with any accomplishments for you because (laughs) it was a busy day. (laughs) We're less accomplished today. (laughs) They both accomplished getting through this week, so kudos to them. Uh, This episode, Towers is the third and final episode of our Jimmy's Publicity Stunts unit of episodes. And Lauren is going to kick it off with our Agent Zero pew pew plot synopsis. Uh, Towers is season five, episode 13. It aired on February 2nd, 1999, which was a Tuesday. Wanting to leave a lasting legacy, Mr. James announces he intends to build two 200-story buildings in the shape of his initials in New York City. Lisa attempts to thwart his plan. Meanwhile, Matthew freaks out over turning 30 and regresses into the mindset of a teenager by dressing and acting like a British punk rocker. Okay. Now we've chosen a few categories and games that I, as host, will award ABSA points for the answers and arguments of each contestant. At the end of Part A, I will award one lucky contestant our episode's ABSA Award for Excellence in this podcast. So let's get started. Uh, that I believe you were the the last to host, so you go first. Um, and yes. in round one, Absa Fever. Question one: What scene would you show a new person to the show? Um, the scene that I would show a brand new person is Jimmy introducing the towers to the staff. Uh, we have the cast asking questions. We've got some back and forth. He gets to go on his speech. What is that? A shed? Nah, that's the Plaza Hotel. All right. <laughs> How big is it? Two hundred stories. 14 swimming pools, two golf courses, food court with its own justice system, two floors for dogs alone, and the biggest damn disco you ever saw. Uh, But it's Jimmy James getting to show off. uh, The whole staff gets in on it. And then, of course, we get Matthew rolling up in his English punk gear, and that starts off another another little fun section. So uh, the scene I would show to a new person would be Jimmy introducing the towers to the rest of the staff. Excellent scene. Excellent scene. Lauren, what's your... uh initiation scene for somebody new uh that's a tough one to follow but i'm gonna go with the vending machine scene (laughs) it's the physical comedy is what does it for me imagine being a new person and knowing nothing about matthew and seeing him try to spin kick the vending machine (laughs) in his punk wardrobe and then the way dave just lays into him all culminating with pretending that he wasn't going to show his belly one more time and then running off with another, you know, Britishism. <laughs> Kiss me, bum monkey! <laughs> the new person would just be so thoroughly confused 
they wouldn't get any sense of what news radio was really about but uh, i think that's what would make it funny for me <laughs> well there you go that's, that's another way to approach it all right dad what's your second scene so my second scene is going to be Dave and Matthew in the break room with uh, Matthew sitting cross-legged on the table. Uh, he's reading Cracked magazine. He's got headphones in. Uh, and then we get basically a, a father-son talk of a father trying to understand and relate to his son. And Matthew gets a lot of English slang that he screams at Dave. Uh, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm here for all of it. So that would be the second scene. I think anyone could appreciate uh, appreciate they would catch the vibe and they would appreciate the slang and the yelling like we all do. That is a great scene. It might be my favorite scene in that episode. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, what's your second scene? My second scene is Jimmy and Lisa in the foyer. Mm. Foyer. Yeah, <laughs> Talking about uh, the mutant mole people and such. Um <laughs> There, you get a bunch more of that over-animated Jimmy talking about the towers that was like so great in that reveal scene. Um, and then you've got a lot of great lines. And it's, it's the news radio writing. It's like all the lines are extra wordy, and yet the delivery is, is still punchy and fast. Um, I think that's something that's unique to this show. And for that reason, I would want this to be the scene I show to a new person. That is a good one. Um, okay, well, I'm going to score that one five to three in favor of Thad. Uh, so good start. Um, going first. <laughs> <laughs> so now Lauren gets a chance to go first. Uh, what quote is the most usable in real life? So for most usable, at least for me, I'm going with everybody in the city seems to have gone sunshine crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to live in an area where we are fortunate enough to have very nice weather most of the time, and we're constantly stricken with drought, and yet, when it rains, people whine and complain about it, and talk about how they can't wait for it to be over, and I'm always like, looks like everyone's gone sunshine crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a nice response to Absolutely. those complaints. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, what's your uh, most usable quote? So the most usable one is going to be, it's time to shake hands with tomorrow. Because I think that you could pretty much say it anytime you're going somewhere. You meet at a friend's house because you're going to a game. All right, let's get going. It is time to shake hands with tomorrow. All right, you're going to a party. You're trying to encourage somebody to do something. Look, man, go ask for that raise. It's time to shake hands with tomorrow. I think it gives a, a lot of hope for the future, and I think you'd use it in a lot of different scenarios. I think you'd also use it sarcastically, of course. If somebody has some old-type gear, you're like, dude, like, hey, nice, nice poem. Trying to, time to shake hands with tomorrow, huh? Uh, I, I think it's got a lot of uses, so that's what I would go with. Very good. Very good. Uh, Lisa, number two. I'm sorry, Lauren, number two. I just, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Matthew. Um, I'm going to go with nerdly McDernardsville invaded my airspace. It's good to use anytime you need to justify being irrationally annoyed by someone, which maybe happens to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm so annoyed with you right now, but I need you to just go away. And they're like, why? Nerdly McNerdsville invaded my airspace. That's why. <laughs> it's also funny because usually in any given room, I'm the nerdiest person. So. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Von Spreadsheet. Yeah. Spreadsheet. <laughs> 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 
All right, Dad, what's your second quote? I like that she gets a military rank. Um, <laughs> so mine is actually a little bit more aggressive, and it's going to be, how's your precious birthday now, fools? <laughs> uh, because I think you could swap out birthday for anything. How's your precious barbecue now, fools? How's your precious <laughs> wedding now, fools? How's your first date, fools? Like, I, I think there's a lot of, again, there's just a lot of ways to use it that will be effective and funny. And I think the biggest challenge will be not laughing myself as I'm delivering <laughs> that, that That is correct. That's uh, that's a good one. Those, those are both good. I'm going to score that four to four. Good, good quotes by both. Um, okay, Thad. What gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? Uh, this is a tough one because there's so many good ones. But I'm going with Matthew not knowing what punk music is. Um, the second he starts singing Kevin Lyman for the County on the table, like already you're just like, whoa. And then when they do the scene with Dave picking up the CDs and finding them not to be punk, quite <laughs> bringing crap like this to the office, uh, that, that gag right there, I think had a huge impact. Maybe really laugh hard twice. That's very good. Uh, Lauren, what's your, uh, best gag or, or bit that had a big impact on the episode? I agree. There's a lot of them. I'm going to go with Matthew's Britishisms, not just the accent or the British phrasing he uses, but the way he slips in and out of it. Yes. Like even <laughs> he cannot take his own temper tantrum seriously. I think that had the biggest impact on the episode. I think it's what you remember from the episode. It's, it just, it's all the comedy <laughs> right there. <laughs> Screw the clown. <laughs> I have to agree. I'm scoring that five to four in favor of Lauren. Uh, so, Lauren, what is the coolest detail in the episode? A nice, adequate touch. I think it's got to be Matthew trying and failing to crush the can on his forehead in that break room scene. <laughs> I mean, there is a ton of physical comedy from Matthew in this episode, but yeah. for whatever reason, that little action stands out as the funniest to me. And of course, Dave then gets the reaction of just like looking at the can on the floor, you know, which just makes it that much funnier. It's, oh, it's to me, that's the, the most adequate touch. <laughs> so good. All right, Dad, what was your uh, most adequate touch? All right, so there's a couple of good ones, but mine is going to be the Total Eclipse of the Park title. For Lisa's story. <laughs> I think your laugh says it all right there. Um, that is great. It, again, you get the pun of the of the song title. It applies to the, the episode, but that definitely makes me laugh super hard every time I hear it come in. Like, with that serious radio lead-in you know, production. Yeah, it's like they, they have... How did they get that? Because, like, it was, like, that day, and they already had a guy <laughs> yeah. totally close of the heart. You know, it's just... <laughs> What? <laughs> it's it's already ready to go. They got a guy in the back or something. That's it's got great. a great, you know, movie trailer voice. All right. So th I gave that another tie because those were both excellent answers. Five five on that one. Uh, good job there. Okay. So that best episode enigma, the best unanswerable question. What do you have? Okay. So of all the questions, this is the one that I definitely wish I had an answer to. Uh, in the scene where Beth walks to Dave's office and is worried about Matthew, she drinks from Dave's cup. And I want to know why she drinks from Dave's cup. Is it revenge 
for not treating Matthew well and I think you're serious? Is it nervousness because she's so worried about Matthew? Is it domination, just a bigger point with Dave about who's really in charge? <laughs> I, I just want to know why she took that sit. That's the, that's the question. That's the enigma that I have after watching gotcha. this episode. It's a, it's a great reaction by Dave too. Like the, oh, yeah, really the, the, the genuine pain he feels watching her take a sip uh, from that. And then afterwards, he's actually trying to rub off like her yeah. side of the mug when uh, when Jimmy comes in. <laughs> That's great, um, Lauren. What was your uh, biggest enigma? Okay, I want to know: Does Jimmy have a demolition crew big enough to level? three city blocks in one night and if so how could he keep that many people quiet about the project that's no small project right <laughs> it's just a really big parking garage that is a, <laughs> that is a great question you know he, he was deep throat though so you know, it's anything's possible i mean i know he's connected i know he's a billionaire but like just like he said, too many people is what went wrong in Dallas. How does he think that this is not going to go bad for him? <laughs> That's an excellent point. But uh, two you see words, those... Lauren. Money and lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> see those sprinklers up there? They're not connected to anything. <laughs> okay, I like both of those. Um, I'm going to give that uh, four to three in favor of Lauren. Uh, bring us to the bill. I stole your cane. Keepsakes, uh, what item would you take from the set of the episode to display or wear? Lauren. All right. I, I'm getting the advantage of going first here. You yeah. know what it's got to be. The tower model. The tower. I want the Jumbo Jimbos. <laughs> Those are really good. I mean, it's iconic, right? It's got the biggest <laughs> damn disco you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> it likes up. <laughs> That's an excellent choice. Uh, Thad, what would be your... Keep sick. All right. So I thought about the towers, but it's going to take up too much space. They had to move the break room table out to have the towers <laughs> out. So I'm not sure what kind of palace Lauren is living in. But for <laughs> a humble person like myself, I think I'm going to take one of the posters from Matthew's desk. Uh, especially one of the ones in front. I actually don't even care which one. Uh, I just think that they were, they were super creative and they would look really good on a wall full of memorabilia and the such. Those were really good. I know, like, I definitely noticed rewatching this time those yeah. posters. And, like, especially there was one with the lady holding guitars up like this, but it looked like she was holding cutouts, like cardboard cutouts of guitars, which <laughs> that really cracked me up. Lauren, what's your next one? Um, I'm going to go with Matthew's punk jewelry. I don't necessarily need the whole outfit. It was the jewelry that made it, especially the necklace and the rings. He's got a ton of rings on his hand. We see one go flying in the vending machine. He's got to go fetch it. <laughs> I thought that was the most punk thing about him. I thought it was pretty cool. I want the jewelry. That's very good. All right, Thad, what's your next one? So once again, I'm going to point out a flaw with Lauren. <laughs> Those things are sharp. Those things are pointy, fellas. Uh, I was, I looked at that, and I was like, no. The bracelets? Yeah. That thing is yeah, huge. The I'm bracelets like, are a little scary. That's a trip to the hospital. <laughs> I like, no way around it. And I looked at the clothes, and I was like, nah. So mine is actually, be, it's, it's going to be what I like to call Joe's Tattoo Remover. Uh, which is the power sander. And I plan on displaying it with a little card that says Joe's Tattoo Remover. Um, and I get to laugh at the thought of both Matthew and Max whenever I get to look at it. 
Mm. That is that is a good question. You might have broken the tie there. Um, all right. It was really the slander of Lawrence Joyce's that did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to go a little bit dirty on this one. Eight to seven for Thad. But that's true. I mean, if you have that bracelet on, you go like that, oh, your eye is gone. I, I was... <laughs> I was like, the necklace, the bracelet, definitely not the bracelet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Thad, we're not doing Jimmy James as an MVP possibility because this is his unit and we figure we'd all choose him. So, who would be your MVP? Matthew. Lauren, who's your MVP? Mine is also Matthew. All right. So, we're going to go to runners-up. Um, Thad, who's your runner-up? Lisa. Lisa. And Lauren. Dave. Dave. Okay. The classic <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Lisa versus Dave. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right. Thad, why is Lisa the end, or the runner up? Uh so Lisa has to both tear down Jimmy James and build him back up. Uh, and I feel like she gets to show a, a lot of range of emotion. She gets to kind of joke around. She gets to be a little exasperated. Uh, she gets to do the news story. We don't see her in the booth very often. Um, I, I, again, and we, we get that Lisa, Jimmy James interaction, which is not as good as her and Dave or her and uh, him and Bill, I should say. But, like, I still think that she, she kind of carries the episode in a lot of ways and gives it a little more weight while Jimmy James gets to spin out and be extra ridiculous. She gets to anchor down the scene. So I think Lisa's the, the runner-up uh, behind Matthew for that reason. Okay. Okay, good points. All right, Lauren, tell me why Dave is the runner-up. So Dave plays the role of Matthew's father figure to mm-hmm. perfection. I like the way he sort of pulls back from the tower storyline to focus on Matthew's storyline, much like the way a parent would have to stop focusing on work so much when their kid is going through some sort of crisis. Like, he recognizes, like, okay, I've got another parent here to deal with the real work. I've got to deal with this kid who is spiraling out of control. And he played <laughs> it so well. And also, it that storyline gave us a little insight into Dave's history you know some of the music he was into back when he was a teenager i always love character backstory so for those reasons dave is my runner-up right behind matthew excellent excellent arguments as a matter of fact uh that is the exact order i had it too with matthew as the mvp dave is a runner-up so let's see we're gonna give five to four in favor of lauren the hoodoo factory is brought to you by carducci's gelato carducci's for when you don't want to share. And now, that was our Absa Fever round. I am going to tally up the points while Lauren gives you the reactions to this episode from the message board at the time it aired in a segment we like to call the Freakzilla Report. Uh, okay, so here's the Freakzilla Report for Towers. The TV Guide Summary, remember the TV Guide? The TV Guide summary for the episode said that Matthew changed his appearance to that of an 80s teenager. Not exactly a fitting description. The message boards were not happy. (laughs) Despite this episode being named for the Jimmy-centric storyline, Matthew came through as the clear star of this episode. Everyone really enjoyed his punk wardrobe as well as his accent and Britishisms. Mm -hmm. People really liked Matthew's line, I said, good day, fascist. (laughs) (laughs) 
There was also a lot of love for Beth calling him a poser and stating that skateboarders are wankers. <laughs> Bill Walsh pointed out that when Matthew's Matthew is sitting on the table in the break room, he's reading an issue of Cracked, which featured A Bug's Life on the cover. Ooh, a yeah. Bug's Life is, of course, an animated film in which Dave Foley voices the main character. Very nice. Our friend Tavy really appreciated the callback to Wichita Lineman, and she wanted to hug Jimmy when he looked all scruffy, and she said she lost it when Joe came out with the sander. <laughs> uh, a few people referred to Matthew as goth in this episode, and Tavy was sure to set them straight and say that he was, in fact, punk. <laughs> Very politely, but she had to let them know. <laughs> Um, someone named Sarah Gosling asked what the title of the episode was. Uh, someone named Shing replied that it was called Towers, but it prompted a conversation of people coming up with better names for the episode. Many wanted it to be called Bollocks. Tavy <laughs> thought it should be called Nerd. And there were many votes for Mayhem because Revolution was too many letters. Nice. Very nice. Very good. And this has been the Freakzilla Report. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren, for that Freakzilla report. Um, right now, going into the second and final round, everyone's tied at 33. Well done. All right. um, go figure. It, it almost never happens, folks. Um, anyway, round two is a little more social, and we like to call it the Marty Party. It's going to be our versions of buy or sell and would you rather. And remember, a good Marty Party does not naps and make, except sometimes it does. It's still anyone's game. Here we go. Round two. So buy or sell. In this game, we're going to decide if it is the real deal or the McNeil perspective. In this game, contestants will get a statement and have to explain why they either buy the statement as the real deal or sell it as the McNeil perspective. Um, Lauren, you're up first. So tell me why this is the real deal or the McNeil perspective that... Matthew's dedication to being Punk Matthew is more impressive than Mr. James's plan for the towers. Again, Matthew's dedication to being Punk Matthew is more impressive than Mr. James's plan for the towers. Real deal or McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. What dedication? <laughs> he constantly slipped in and out of the accent. He wasn't actually listening to any punk music. As Beth put it, he's not a punk. He's a poser. Mr. James, on the other hand, had fancy plans and pants to match, and he was dedicated, and he was dreaming big. Wow. Fancy plans and towers to match. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thad. So tell me why this is the real deal. This is actually the real deal, yes. Um, so Matthew's dedication is pretty admirable, really. He shows up in regular clothes. He literally runs out of the building, and I assume because he's in New York City, it's not too hard to find a, a place where he gets his, his attire, his punk attire. Gets the punk attire, changes into it, comes back to the office. I like to point out, hair, makeup, done. Uh, and then at that point... His vocabulary and Britishisms, I think, are way beyond something that I would be capable of or most people I know would be capable of. And I think his dedication to use so many of those is more impressive. I think you can overlook him slipping in in the accent, in and out of the accent here and there. Uh, but the overall Britishisms, I think, really, really pulls it together. Okay. Uh, Why did he have to be a British punk? 
Like, he could have been an American <laughs> punk. There's nothing wrong with that. Because it is way funnier. Like, I mean, if he was just, an Amer- if he was just punk Matthew, the, the British punk Matthew is hysterical. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> a New Yorker. Bollocks is way... Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I get because what you can't curse at people in New Yorkese as a punk. <laughs> <You're> like, <Yeah. laughs> the British have developed a system that will get past the ratings. <laughs> okay, so second part. Uh, Thad, tell me why this is the real deal or the McNeil perspective. Revolution is a better word to get tattooed on your body than mayhem. So this is the McNeil perspective. Mayhem is a better word than revolution to get tattooed. Uh, And the reason is that mayhem just kind of represents a little bit of craziness, a little bit of disorder. Pretty much what any, any, any college person wants to bring to any party they go to, if it's a good party. Uh, and yeah. even later on in life, to be reminded of those good times, I think really, really comes into play. Uh, I think if you have a revolution, people can ask you, what are you in a revolution for? And I don't like people asking me questions like that. <laughs> okay so don't okay. do it alright revolution don't do it <laughs> so you're saying you don't want a revolution okay very good alright Lauren why is this the real deal uh, this is the real deal revolution is a better word to get tattooed than mayhem because throughout history the people who have fought for revolution have generally ended up on the right side of history Anyone fighting for mayhem is usually just looking for freedom from consequences for their own heinous actions. And I'd be happy to explain that to anybody who asked. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. It is more letters, though, but it's it's good. Lauren's going to get the dictionary definition, not just the word, the whole definition. (laughs) Tattoo. (laughs) Take a picture to last longer. I'll go get my camera. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So number three. Uh, Lauren, Lisa gets her revenge on Jimmy for using her her in his prior stunts. Let me say that again. Lisa gets her revenge on Jimmy for using her in his prior stunts. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? I'm going to go the McNeil perspective. I think ultimately Lisa cares about Jimmy. She's trying to save him from himself here. I think that was her motivation in president as well. And that's what's motivating her here with the towers. She can see the consequences that would befall Jimmy if he blew up three square blocks of New York City. Jimmy is too blinded by his own ego to listen to reason. So she does what she has to do to put a stop to the plan. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, Dad, why is this the real deal? All right, so this is the real deal because Lisa, before Jimmy gets beat up, is pretty focused on catching Jimmy. Well, I'll say this. She wants to point out the flaws in the plan, and when Jimmy gets ridiculous talking about the mutant mole people, she's just like, okay, we're going to stick it to him. And we know this because she expected there to be a protest. She just thought there would be a lot nerdier. So she knew that there was going to be some trouble brewing. She knew that he was going to catch Jimmy James in this uh, media hailstorm of the total eclipse of the park. So <laughs> she definitely used the opportunity to, to get him back for his prior stunts. Okay. Good reason there. All right. Moving on to our last one. Thad, 
The Jumbo Jimbo Towers, if relocated to the edge of the city, would be a bigger achievement to build than Jimmy Lantis, an underwater colony, the final frontier. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? This is the real deal. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but real tall buildings, the wind really affects them, so they're actually made to sway a little bit to go with it just to kind of protect the structural integrity. So if you were going to build a 200, basically scraping the top of space, the bottom of space, uh, in, in the edge of our atmosphere, I think getting construction crews up there and finding a way to build in those conditions with things swaying back and forth and, uh, and obviously getting even harder the higher you get, I think that is a much bigger achievement than Jimmy Lantis, the underwater colony at the final frontier, which is just more fun to say. <laughs> it certainly is. Okay, that's that's one view. Uh, why is this the McNeil perspective, Lauren? This is the McNeil perspective because who cares about another big ass building? <laughs> they finished the Salesforce Tower quite a while ago. I've never been there. I don't care to ever go. An underwater colony, on the other hand, would be unique. It would be a destination. It would be a much bigger achievement. Damn barracudas! Wow. That is. <laughs> That is, that is a real good point. I mean, you say, oh, well, it's, it's so hard to work up in the sky where it's swaying. Well, have you ever scuba dived and then tried to build something? <laughs> That's tough. That's Barracudas tough nipping at your butt. Exactly. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So now we are to our have an adequate day section. Our final game of the show is a would-you-rather game based on ideas related to the episode. The contestants will be presented with four choices and one bonus consequence. We'll have a short discussion about each choice, and then both the contestants and the host will draft our answers. Whoever's, whoever day sucked the least will then win the game and be awarded six points. So here are the choices. Number one, A. Have a bridge in a metropolitan city named after you. Number one, B, have a museum of oddities named after you. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, Lauren, I think it's your turn. Um, I'm going to go bridge. It just because, like, the oddities, I think your name, it, like, it depends how odd the oddities are. Do I really want my name wrapped up with that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. like a bridge, everyone's yeah. got to cross a bridge. It becomes part of your directions. Google Maps is going to read it out to everybody. But a museum of oddities, no one's going to think about that unless they're thinking about whatever weird thing is in the museum. Yeah, I mean, what if the oddity is toe fungus? Like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, what, what would you choose here? I, I think Lauren fell right into my trap. Jimmy James laid out the exact argument of why a bridge is absolutely no good. <laughs> I don't want anybody cursing my name because of traffic or jumping off. Like that, that, that. I'm going to go with the Museum of Oddities. Like At least oh. the people who say my name are going to be really interested in it. And, uh, and hopefully spark some interest around town. Get a little crowd coming in, you know. Uh, hopefully be proud. Like, <laughs> town be proud of me. But, yeah, I got to go with B. Okay. You're going uh, with the toe fungus. I'm going <laughs> with the toe fungus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the bridge, too. I, I like it. Um, Got to listen to Uncle Jimmy. No, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jimmy. Okay. So, next one. Uh, 2A. Talk with a foreign accent at a, for a full day at work, or would you rather dress like Punk Matthew for a full day at work? Dad, what do you think? This one is really tough. Um, 
I think the jewelry is what makes me lean towards A. Uh, even though the accent would not be good and would not be consistent, it would be fun and less dangerous than me dressing up like Matthew. Uh, like, I've seen fat kids in skinny jeans. Not great, man. Not great. And I don't want any part of that. I don't even get close to it. So I, I will go with the foreign accent. Hopefully not offending anybody, but probably will. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, Lauren, which one would you pick? Um, I'm no Tom, the man of six or seven voices. I just don't think I could physically do the foreign accent. Like, no matter how hard I tried, I don't think it would be anything recognizable. I think people would all day just be like, is something wrong with your mouth? Like, do you need to go to a dentist? Um, whereas the punk Matthew, yeah, spiky bracelets aside, like, I... Um, I think I could pull off that look. <laughs> I went to a lot of punk shows back when I was a, a, a younger, uh, more uh, energetic version of myself. <laughs> Very good. Okay, I would definitely go with the accent. Uh, I would, but see, here's the cheat. You, you think you can't do a foreign accent. I'd do a Canadian accent and just say oot and a boot and bean. And that, that's, that's all you have to do. That's not bad. That's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. Sorry, sorry, eh? <laughs> Go Leafs, eh? All right. <laughs> I actually really like Canadians. I don't. Want, I don't want to get us in trouble with any Canadian listeners. I'm a no, big I'm fan just... of Canada. <laughs> They're not all spies. That's true. <laughs> okay, Lauren, would you rather, as the boss, work with a punk Matthew coworker for a full day, or B, as the boss, work with a Max coworker every day? I'm going with Punk Matthew, and it's really just the duration of time. I mean, that's that's what sells it. It's one day. One day with a Punk Matthew versus every day with a Max. I think I would lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of comedic value there, too. So. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm going with B. I'm going with the Max coworker because wow. I feel like okay. I feel like you develop strategies. You know, we all learn how to deal with annoying coworkers. That's just kind of part of having a job. When you have somebody who comes in clearly off the rails, I'm like, is this guy going postal? Like, what is what is next? Uh, and again, like in the episode, he is screaming at people, <laughs> like he's screaming at his <laughs> boss and coworkers. I'm just like, yeah, no, I, I think I would lose my temper much quicker with with about half a day of that than dealing with Max every day. Like, there'll be a, there'll definitely be some pushback sooner or later, but yeah, the punk math you made actually, you know, get checked. Very good. I'm talking about hockey, eh? <laughs> okay uh last one that um would you rather embarrass yourself by falling in front of teenagers at a skate park you were just walking not skateboarding or b embarrass yourself by falling in front of teenagers at an alternative vinyl music store um <laughs> i'm gonna go with skate park Mostly because they got pads on, so I'm hoping there's a little bit of empathy for seeing somebody fall without pads on, even though it would be super embarrassing. These kids are doing, like, God knows what kind of tricks off of these half ramps, and I just fell down walking. (laughs) But I'm hoping for a little bit of empathy because they're wearing helmets and shoulder pads, uh, or elbow pads, knee pads, and uh, I'm just out here raw-dogging it. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Lauren, what's your feeling? 
Yeah, I, I'm going with the skaters also. I feel like, uh, I mean, most of the skateboarders I've ever known are very empathetic kind of people, and they're going to, like, check up on you. Hey, you okay, man? They're not, and even if they do tease you, it's going to be sort of in, like, a fun joking kind of way. Whereas I feel like the teenagers that like to hang out at the vinyl music store, they are, like, <laughs> way too caught up in themselves. They think they're way cooler than everybody else, and they are going to let you have it. <laughs> no mercy from those guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe California, uh, California alternative uh, record store is a little bit different, huh? A little more aggressive, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah, I think I would also go with the uh, the skate park. I think, you know, if if you can uh, recover nicely and just give a little pizzazz at the end, I think that you know you can cover. <laughs> you know, it's like just funny. Whereas at the music store, that's not going to count for much. They're just going to laugh and point, and you know, it'll be worse. <laughs> All right, and number five is have a crowd throw tomatoes at you on your way in and out of work from parking lot to front door. Not great. That is terrible. It's, it's insulting, possibly painful. You're making a mess of yourself. Like everything Smelly. about that one's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to get in your car and you're covered in tomato. Like getting to work is mm-hmm. one thing, but getting in your car and then driving home all t- tomato splattered. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants that. All right. Now that we've discuss the choices we're going to do a quick draft and then we'll have we'll come back and let you know how everyone's day went so we've drafted our choices for have an adequate day uh lauren has decided that she would have a bridge in a metropolitan city named after her uh she would dress like punk matthew for at work for a full day and embarrass herself by falling in front of teenagers at an alternative music <laughs> store. Uh, Thad has decided he would have a museum of oddities named after him. Um, he would talk with a foreign accent for a full day at work. Right to <laughs> And have a crowd throw tomatoes at him on his way in and out of work from the parking lot to the front door, presumably because of his terrible accent. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> My day, on the other hand, would be consist of as the boss work with Punk Matthew work with a Punk Matthew coworker coworker for a full day. Also as the boss work with a Max coworker every day. And finally, embarrass myself by falling in front of teenagers at a skate park. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh Coming into the round, we had a lead of 52 to 49 uh, in favor of Lauren. Uh, and Lauren so happened to win this this game, making her the ABSA winner overall. Hey. <laughs> Lauren, how would you like to address the people in your moment of victory? Um, I'd like to say, hold on to your panties, Nancy boys. Forget the bollocks. Bring on the mayhem, you bloody ponces. Um, I'll accept my winnings in the form of quid or a packet of crisps. I may not have asked to be born, but I did ask for this award. So cheers. Fantastic. You know that means she wrote the victory speech in advance, right? You realize that it means that she wrote the victory speech in advance? Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to take that, even though that was That is great. That better have been delivered no matter Uh, what, but... I'll have you know, I write a victory speech in advance every time, just in case, because I can't come up with anything on the fly. <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. Well done. 
Okay. We hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. But a fuko to you, too. Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>